Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to take a ride on the Steelers Afternoon Drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith. Welcome to another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That is Alan Saunders. Alan, what is going on? Smitty almost died today. Almost took the big afternoon drive into the sky. Uh, and and all nearly killed by one of my my oldest and most loyal friends. I was sitting in the Steelers media room, drinking iced tea, as if you know me is common. Mm-hmm. Just got some down the wrong pipe, started choking. It's like red in the face, nearly passed out. People like called for a doctor. This is it was it was, it was tense for a second. And then I and I pulled through. Now I'm fine. Some so the, the T is one of your oldest friends. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, Somewhere okay, out there, it. a Steelers player was probably like, Man, I got like a hamstring. Where's the trainer at? And they were all running over to me. Uh so um, I'm oh, happy man. to be here. I'm happy to be here. What kind of tea was it? Just regular old iced tea. But like what brand? I don't know. Whatever's in the like fountain at the Oh, okay. Use maybe one of those, you know, one of the little like iced tea machines where you like push the button and okay. I, I I was like, okay, if we're talking like a Turner's carton or something, I don't think no. Turner's would do that to you. I don't think they'd no. have the, no. the audacity to yeah. No, I just and uh it was it was so I've I've had a I've had a I've had a near death experience. <sighs> not, not actually, I was fine, but uh, apparently everybody else was very concerned about my well being. Um okay. Well, you love to see that. You appreciate the fact that so many people were concerned about that. Um, so would you say that you were limited today? Uh, limited yeah, participants? Definitely or? not a full practice today. Uh, definitely not. Um, okay. And so, uh, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to keep an eye out on my status for Friday just to be <laughs> sure about uh, whether I'll be able to go this Sunday. Yeah. Uh, you know, we mentioned yesterday, we can give a little bit of a rundown again, uh, another day closer to game day in terms of where we're at with injury stuff. Um Calvin Austin, you said looked really good today, which is again, if it looked, it didn't look great during the game, and they were concerned about it. Tomlin said, forty-eight hours later, the prognosis of it looks very good. Maybe he'll be limited early in practice, but like all signs point to him being able to go in this one. Yeah, interestingly enough, Nick Fairbaugh set out to like find out who the backup punt returner is if Austin can't mm-hmm. play, and nobody seems to know who it is. So, like, apparently the Steelers are not panicking and thinking that Calvin Austin isn't going to play because I assume that would be a thing they would want to figure out. 
Um, but I think he talked to like he talked to Calvin. He talked. I think he talked to Miles Boykin, and I think he talked to one other person too, maybe James Pierre. And uh, because Boykin and Pierre have uh, Boykin has some NFL point returns. I think Pierre has a couple uh, college ones, and uh, mm-hmm. nobody knows still. So I don't know. I think he's going to play Mon Adams and, and Minka. Feel feeling very confident that they're going to play and uh, and going to be back in the fold and. Uh, Allen Robinson was uh, had a day off yesterday. He's back. They're still resting Cam Hayward, but I'm not concerned about it. Deontay Johnson missed practice with an illness today. I guess that's the one maybe concerning thing uh, to to monitor for Friday. I think he was he was sick of talking, is what I, I believe was the illness that he came down with. It's very possible. He just uh, <laughs> he's. Yeah. They moved practice inside, so maybe he was just outside mm. and he saw practice moving, but he just didn't really react to that at all. <laughs> you know, he stayed right there outside. Uh, what's funny is we said yesterday we wanted to stop talking, but, but like when the jokes present themselves, I mean, you got to take the opportunity to make them. Um, a, a news here thing, uh, the Steelers and Colts, we were waiting to see what the date, what the time would be. Officially, they will play on Saturday, December 16th, 4.30. They will be part of that three-game slate on that Saturday. What are they calling it? It has like a special name, doesn't it? Like Saturday Showcase or something stupid like that or something. There's, you got the Bengals and Vikings at 1 o'clock. You got that game at 4.30. And then the Lions and Broncos, I believe, is the the late game. Pretty random matchups when you talk about the teams that are facing each other. Um, but that will mean that the Steelers week 14, Thursday night football, week 15, Saturday football, week 16, Saturday football. So three straight Sundays after this against the Cardinals without Steelers football. Yeah, it's it's a little weird, but it's not bad, I think, for the team perspective because it kind of keeps no. you more of a normal routine right like you don't get the big layoff after thursday night football and then you have a regular week saturday to saturday and that regular week saturday to saturday um leads into the following week where you have have an extra day but it's christmas so they're gonna get christmas off on their extra day like it it works out pretty nicely for the team i think yeah, yeah, I was gonna mention that. So yeah, it it throws things a little bit out of whack from what the normal NFL schedule would look like for teams. But especially after that one against the Bengals, you're gonna have Christmas off and you have the extra day before you play Seattle. So yeah, extra day you know. going into a long road trip. Like I, I don't know, it just yeah. I I think it I think it ends up working out pretty nicely. Yeah, I would agree. Um, Alan, I think this is gonna be a day where we get to some questions. But first, I mentioned when we jumped on here. Uh, if you had anything, of course, as I always do, that you for sure wanted to talk about, you told me you have a bit of a hot take for us uh, with the Arizona Cardinals coming here. Everybody knows they're running back James Conner from his time at Pitt, from his time at the Pittsburgh Steelers, now with the Arizona Cardinals. And uh, yeah, you said you have a hot take regarding James Conner. Yeah, I did. I wrote um, a pretty long story about James uh, today, uh, SteelersNow.com. Check it out. Uh, talk to, uh, you know, James talked to the media in Arizona, and I broke down that. Uh, and then mm-hmm. also talk to uh, Cam Hayward and a couple other people about his return. Interesting perspective from Cam just about, uh, you know, does he like playing guys that he knows? I thought that was an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, do you, do, do you look forward to that? Do you kind of have to like, oh, I don't, I don't really like doing it, but it's part of what I have to do. And he said, you know, so, that, so at the end of the day is about competition. Like if you can't compete with guys you're friends with, like, 
how like th- those are the easy people to compete with. So I thought that was an interesting take, interesting perspective. And uh, it's, a, it's a good story. Go check it out. I've obviously known James for a very long time, covered him when he was at Pitt. And uh, I have a lot of respect for him as a player and as a person. And I, th- you know, I, I came to the conclusion, I, I thought this then too, but I, as I was writing and, and, and talking to people for this story, like I kind of think the Steelers screwed up by letting him go. I think they, they would have been better off keeping James Conner instead of drafting Najee Harris in 2021. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, when you looking back on it, obviously spending a first round pick on a running back, I, I, regardless, I was like, Najee, I, I love the player. He could be fantastic for them. I just don't love the idea of spending a first round pick on a running back. So I would have been with you for sure. Then I think what it came down to was health more than anything else like when he was on the field sure he was productive but you get the sense maybe they were just like we can't trust this guy to be on the field either and that's why they decided to part ways well, like they kind of did but then they've also like since then kind of come to the realization that you can't trust anyone to be on the field and even if you do go get someone like Najee Harris that you use a first round draft pick then all of a sudden you don't want him to be on the field every down because you don't want him to get hurt like they yeah. they, you know, they like it seems like that their realization that you need to have two running backs came too late to save James Conner in their eyes when he is really an ideal current NFL running back because his injuries don't matter because you need two of them anyway and it's it's just it's it's fine like it doesn't it doesn't hurt you like it did if you have one guy who's trying to play 90% of the snaps You know, I I brought up the irony of them finding an undrafted guy in Jalen Warren after, you know, a couple years of spending mid-round picks on the Benny Snells and Anthony McFarlane's of the worlds that, you know, haven't worked out great, obviously, or didn't work out great in the case of Benny Snell, who's no longer here. But, you know, you almost wonder, say they find a guy like Jalen Warren while James Conner still is here. Maybe that changes the way things go. Right? Like, I... You know, and look, would that first like would 2021 have gone well with James Conner? Like, pro, like he missed some, he missed two games, I think, that year. Like, that was the year Najee played almost every snap. I mean, Benny Snell mm-hmm. was, I don't know, serviceable, but not, you know, well, it wasn't ideal. But like, think about like what they could have done with that first round pick. She, I mean, like they, you know, the, even if the tackle that they really needed wasn't there, they could have traded up like they did this year. They could have traded down, drafted a center, Creed Humphrey or, or Landon Dickerson, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and and like fix the offensive line that they are still dealing with as a problem right now, three years in advance. Like I, I don't know, it feels like they got that wrong. I, I have a hard time disagreeing with that, you know, and I, and I wonder how much of this, not for you, obviously, but like trying to go into the mind of the fan base as well, you know, how much is also going to play into the opinion that he is a pick guy, you know, and, and had those ties. It was probably hard for people to, to detach themselves from that as well. So I, I I'm very curious in terms of the audience, what they're going to think about this too just because you talk about a guy that was so productive at Pitt obviously the story that he had you know beating cancer the the ACL injury that he had as well in college I mean overcame so much to get to the point where he was third round pick had to sit behind Le'Veon Le'Veon sits out he bursts onto the scene immediately and is super productive becomes a pro bowler in his own right I mean the, the story was there for sure and I think it was hard for people to see him go the way that it did especially you know when the primary reason was the fact that he just he couldn't stay on the field but to your points you know, they 
we've seen teams kind of get away from the idea of needing just one bell cow back anyway. And like, it's, it's pretty rare that the Steelers miss like this, like very infrequently does someone come into this stadium as a former Steelers player who is generally really well liked and generally really productive that the Steelers let get away. Like it, it doesn't happen very often, you know, and 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 we've seen it a couple times this year. Javon Hargrave came uh, at the beginning of the year. You know, I, I just really think that obviously the COVID year and the salary cap implications made things hard for guys like Hargrave and, and Juju in, in that era. But I feel like Connor was more of a choice where they just decided that he wasn't yeah. the guy. And I think I think they got that choice wrong. Right, like at least that first year of that of his time in Arizona, right? Like one year, one point five million. Now he's since signed another deal for three twenty one or whatever. And if you want to say you wouldn't have paid him seven million dollars or whatever it was, but if you're lumping all four of those years together, what they've gotten for him, man, I, I feel like he's returned that value to Arizona. <coughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I think Arizona is very happy to have him, and they started with Chase Edmonds with him. And yep. you know now he's he's kind of the guy. Like there's, I mean, they have other running backs, but uh, uh, Demarcado plays a little bit. But I mean, it's it's pretty much him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which is is great for him, you know, to see him succeed over there and stuff. And it makes sense. It's Arizona too, you know. Steelers West out there in Arizona. We see a ton of former Pittsburgh players end up in Arizona. Um, but yeah, he's certainly playing well there and i think that there definitely is a case the steelers messed up on that one um okay do you want to get to some questions or do you have anything else uh on that no it's pretty much all i got yeah. it is not as much uh, less as it used to be there are there's not that many there, there was a time when it was like you knew every yeah. person on that coaching staff and and <laughs> you knew kind of knew all the players uh Spencer Whipple, son of steelers former quarterbacks coach and former pit offense coordinator mark whipple he's uh Oh. He's not the quarterbacks coach anymore. He's got a promotion from that, but I, I is like pass game coordinator, I think, or something like that, uh, for the Cardinals. And then uh, Kelvin Beach, pass game specialist, yeah, pass game specialist. There you go, uh, Kelvin Beachum, former Steelers offensive lineman. I believe he's uh, hurt. I, I'm not sure that he is healthy. Mm. But he is I thought healthy. he was honestly. I thought he was going to retire, but yeah, he did sign a new deal there. Um, okay. Yeah, so we got uh, – it was actually a couple days ago. I was looking for one question, and I had 20 people reply to this, of course. Days where I'm looking for a bunch, uh, we rarely get any. Um, Mike Lowry here wants to know, going forward, do we see a path to Washington getting any plays designed for him with the new offensive coordinators? No, I don't think they're going to specifically design plays for Darnell Washington. I mean, I think he'll get – he has a role um, mm -hmm. as – you know, the second tight end and it's the same, you know, it's the same role that we saw Zach Gentry being in this offense last year. It's the same thing that Washington has done. You know, they have two, you know, there's really two tight end positions. You know, I don't know what the Steelers designations for them are. Some teams call them like Y and F or some teams call them F and G or whatever, but you know, you have that flexed out tight end spot. Mm -hmm. uh, really there's three, you know, you have that flexed out tight end spot. Um, that, that we see Pat Frymuth used in a lot. We actually saw a lot of that usage from Frymuth in the last game, more than we have seen in the past. Uh, you have that attached to the formation, sort of traditional, classic, 
uh, think Heath Miller, Mark Bruner, old school tight end, hand in the ground. And then you have that kind of wing back, H back thing that we, you know, they do a lot with Connor Hayward. Um, so there's really always been those sort of three uh, uh, tight end body positions in this offense. And Washington certainly fills that traditional uh, Y tight end, uh, you know, role. Uh, very well, but I don't think they're going to do anything specifically just for him, nor do I think they need to. I, I think he does a nice job blocking, and I think he gets open enough. He's not a very good route runner yet, but I, I think he gets open enough. He has very good hands for a big yeah. guy that, um, you know, I think the one thing that you really think maybe missing from what he's done so far this year would be some red zone targets. Um, you know, I think that might be something that they might might look to get him involved in a little bit more. That's what I was going to say is between the 20s, I don't know that I would utilize him much differently. I know that there haven't been a ton of opportunities in general for this team in the red zone, but that is probably where I would be looking at for him to make an impact uh, going forward if you were going to change up what we've seen up to this point at all. Um, of these three, who would you most likely, who do you most likely think has a shot to be the OC next year? Byron Leftwich. Antoine Randall, that's an interesting one to throw in here, or an internal promotion, uh, Sullivan slash Faulkner. I think Byron Leftwich is a realistic candidate. I, I think he has a chance. I do too. I think he will be given an interview almost 100%. Um, Antoine Randall has never been an offensive coordinator. I can't see them doing that. Um, it's just not really their style. Um, I don't think it's what they really need. Um, if I'm it seems to be doing a decent enough job with the Lions wide receivers, but yeah, how's that helping? I'm making this higher. I, I, I truly believe that the number one reason that Matt Canada was fired was the lack of development of Kenny Pickett. I am yeah. making this higher with someone that has developed a quarterback at the NFL level. And I mm -hmm. think Byron Leftwich, while though didn't really develop Tom Brady, was a quarterback at the NFL level and has experience as an NFL offensive coordinator. I can see it. I can put it in my mind how Byron Leftwich could be the guy that gets Kenny Pickett over the top as, as an NFL quarterback. I can I can see that happening. Where does Antoine like I I, I just don't see Antoine Randall? Well, I'll throw another guy in here. Deuce Staley, let go by the Carolina Panthers. I think yeah. would make a good NFL offensive coordinator. I don't think he should be the Steelers hire. I think they need someone with the quarterback bona fides that those guys don't have. Um, and I don't think that's why I don't think it'll be an internal promotion either. Uh, I think, uh, I think they have a lot of respect for Eddie Faulkner. I think they want to keep him around. Um, but I think that there needs to be someone brought in to be a, yeah, real quarterback developer for Kenny Pickett. That's exactly what I was going to say is they, they might be qualified as hell for the position. I don't think they're qualified for the position in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And yeah, I, I think Deuce Staley would be a really good NFL offensive coordinator. I think Antoine Randall could be an NFL offensive coordinator, but I, mm -hmm. I just don't think they're right for the Steelers right now. Um, and so I think of those three, I would say left, which would be overwhelmingly, the most likely to me, but I don't get the sense that this is going to need to be some kind of like Pittsburgh ties job. You know, I think Mike Tomlin already fights the perception that it's like this, um, 
get along gang kind of like uh you know hire my buddies kind of of place and i you know he has wonderful reach within the coaching community um that that i don't see why it, you would restrict like like I would think Pep Hamilton is more likely than all three of those, just as a name off the top of my head. as a guy who I yeah. know is available, who developed Andrew Luck as his offensive coordinator when he was with the Indianapolis Colts, that I think has a relationship with Mike Tomlin, interviewed for the job last time. I think that's a more likely candidate than any of those three you named. I don't think you need to limit yourself to looking at people with obvious Pittsburgh connections. That's who I wanted last time, actually, was Pep Hamilton. So, um Question, this goes, you know, we, we've talked a lot about the depth recently. You know how well Trenton Thompson's played Michael Walker. Is this the first time either of you have felt more comfortable about the Steelers situation in terms of having to have multiple starters or multiple backups start multiple games in your fandom slash coverage of the team without feeling a sense of panic? I was looking back at those late 2000s teams, and I feel like this is a first for me where I feel comfortable in that position. I think the Steelers have historically had good depth in certain places. Like, I feel like the wide receiver position has generally been one where you felt good about the guys down the depth chart more often than not. Edge rusher has almost always been the position where there was, mm -hmm. in fact, usually a guy that you were like very much like the fan base is with Nick Herbig right now. Like, you don't want mm -hmm. TJ Watt to get hurt, but at the same time, you would be excited to see what Nick Herbig could do, right? Like, yeah. like, like, I, I feel like they have often had that kind of depth at those positions. I'll say that I don't feel like safety and off-ball linebacker have been those positions very frequently. I, I think those have not yeah. been positions where you traditionally have felt just so good about the Steelers having guy after guy at those spots that, that they could deal with injuries in the way they have this year. Yeah, and even like you looked at the roster this year, I would have said, obviously, looking at the edges, that we could see that depth right away. With linebacker and safety, those had to get answered because I wouldn't have seen that coming. You know how well Michael Walker's played, how well Trenton Thompson's played. They had to answer those questions in real time. I, I To a bit of a surprise to me how well they've played, I wouldn't really question how well we would get production from you know marcus dolan or nick herbert if those one of those guys had to step into a role trenton thompson and michael walker a little bit different story where i was questioning it but certainly and even to some well. extent, just landon roberts being a full-time player yeah yes. being like not just a full-time player but kind of that guy as the whole leader of the secondary like I, those two guys have stepped into more prominent roles and done a very nice job of it too yeah absolutely um th this one's interesting so this is specifically about Sunday, really, because it was the first time we saw them put up like that many yards, but still only 16 points. Um, how do you think the Steelers build upon their success to finish drives getting more points? Obviously, the yards were there. What was the reason that their drives were stalling out in the way that they did, in your opinion? Um, I think it's a combination of a couple things. One of them is that like what Cincinnati was doing on defense, uh, you know, with playing those like twin deep safeties, you know, the, the, the closer you get to the end zone, like those safeties are closer and closer. Like they don't have as far to go, you know, it shrinks the defense. And so there was less of that room underneath that they were taking advantage of with Pat Fryermuth. 
I thought some of the play calling when they got around the 30 yard line started to get a little clunky. There were some sideways passes I didn't love in there. Uh, they got a little cute a couple times. They got a little conservative a couple times. Like I, I didn't, I didn't think that was one area where the play calling was particularly good. Um, but I'll say this: like the thing about this game is, so they have four trips to the red zone. They fumble once. Even if we say like very charitably, like hey, they should have scored a touchdown the first time. Like, okay, let's give them that touchdown. Okay, uh, let's say they score. 23 points instead of 16. Let's say they're two for four in the red zone instead of one for three. Like that's still not very good for 400 yards. Like there's a long way to go there in terms of both the execution of the red zone. Also they had one drive where they stopped at the 23. So like that doesn't count as a red zone trip, but is essentially another trip to the red zone. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I think like, I'll be honest, I could blame Mike Tomlin for some of it. You can't punt on fourth and one and a half from the 42-yard line. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think he's got to own that and then the challenge. So, you know, I think it's it's a multi-layered thing. I don't think there's one answer to the question. But, you know, I, I think we've got to stop focusing so much on the yards. Like, that was not a good game because they got 400 yards. It was a bad game because they scored 16 points against a garbage defense. Like the yards don't matter. Like, like, like they don't like the points matter. The yards are sometimes connected, but we've seen how many times this year, them not be connected. Like the, the entire mm-hmm. theory of this team's defense is that the yards don't matter. So if the yards don't matter for the opponent's offense and the yards don't matter for the Steelers' offense either, you got to score. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That is true. Honestly, like, yeah, you can't argue it in favor of the defense and also, you know, try to make it an argument for the offense. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, I, it just seemed like it was one thing. Like, every, like, Roger Jones, a holding penalty on one. Um, obviously the turnover is going to be one, three punts and plus territory. Yeah. I mean, there was just little things here and there. Um, yeah, but a, again, just didn't lead to more points. I, yeah. I, I thought at the end they were very conservative with the lead against a team. They just did not think could come back. And, and I can sort of understand that one, you know, that, that, that one feels more reasonable than, than, than the punt early and the, and the lack of challenge and the, and the fumble, those are things that, that really shouldn't be happening. Yeah. Um, and then the last one's about Najee Harris that we got here. What's your take on the seeming arrival of Najee Harris? Besides running more downhill, seems like he's running with more juice. One of the best running backs this year in terms of explosive runs. If both running backs keep this up, it will make life or make the run much easier. He has been much more explosive this year, and I'm not sure that there's really an easy answer to point to. I think one of the things is that he is getting hit in the backfield far less often than he was in the past, especially compared to like 2021. They were a little bit better about that down the stretch last year, but I felt like last year it was a lot of like, just get three yards kind of like they were sacrificing sort of intentionally the high end potential of their runs to make sure that they didn't lose yardage. You know, like when you're developing a blocking scheme, like there are some blocks that you put on paper that are easy. Like, like here's a here's a triangle double team. It's it's this guy and this guy, these two guys here are going to double team this guy. Like 
bang, get them. Like, that's easy, okay? Like, we're, we're sure we're going to do that. Now, okay, you draw one up. It's like, all right, it's a reach block. You help with this guy, and then you get to the second level, and you cut off the linebacker from coming across. It's like, well, you can draw that up, but we're going to do that about, like, one in four, one in five, actually able to execute that block perfectly the way it's drawn up. And I feel like at the end of the year, last year, when they turned to the running game, it was very much a turn to the running game as a white flag. Like, we just don't want to lose yards. Mm -hmm. Like, let's get the three. Okay, let's do that simple block. Whereas now I feel like, especially since Broderick Jones is in the lineup with his athleticism, they're trying and hitting some of those more difficult and more varied um, blocking schemes. It's not just a lot of the same play. They're trying a lot of different stuff. And because of that, they're not just – uh, getting three yards, but they are getting occasionally big holes and opportunities to hit big plays that I think they were just, they, they didn't even hope for last year because they were so bad early in the season and in 2021 at getting him hit in the backfield. They were just trying to make sure they got three yards all the time. And now I feel like yeah. they're a little bit more ambitious with what they're attempting with the running game. Yeah, I think last year, you know, even when they got the run game going, I feel like it was a lot of, you know, between the tackles, the guards were playing really well, but a lot of it was inside. This year, I think they're a better perimeter. All kind of just head down. Yeah. And, yeah. This like year, it. I feel like they they are better at running to the perimeter as well and yes. making plays on the outside. I mean, you got a better blocking. Allen Robinson, one of the best blocking receivers. Darnell Washington, the way that he can block, the way that these guys get out in space and move, whether it's, you know, Samalo pulling, you've seen Broderick Jones pulling, like th these guys are getting out in space and creating in the run game too. So I think that has opened a lot because they're able to, again, be able to get to the perimeter and set stuff up as opposed to just running inside on every single play. Yeah. I think they're better on the perimeter. And and I think they've just come up with a better menu of running plays. Like, I really think the creativity of the running game before Matt – this has happened before Canada was fired. But you know, we saw you know, them break out trap runs and tosses and just feels like they have a, a, a more varied menu and that they're really, like – it's a very intentional job of, like, probing defenses for weaknesses and and trying things and being a little bit more, am, more ambitious with the running game instead of just trying to get three yards and stay on schedule all the time also we've talked about this too and again this goes back to prior to matt canna being fired so it was happening even when he was here but it seems like they've really owned in on and, and found the way that like the recipe works for using both backs and understanding what they have in each one well i felt like they were getting better at that and then the one thing i thought was missing from that process that we that they got on sunday was riding the hot hand i feel like that was mm -hmm. the, the other thing sunday yeah. where you just saw as that game went on it was clear Najee was the guy they kept going to him and that's when a big back like him is gonna get those explosive runs when he can use the cumulative impact of his day to uh, as a weapon against people i think that really specifically is a big deal for him yeah, plus 32 yards uh, over expected on Sunday for Najee Harris. Who yeah, was broke that down good. on the site that SteelersNow.com story ran early this morning, actually. Uh, dug into some next-gen stats. Uh, Cincinnati, I'm not sure what Cincinnati's defense was doing, honestly. They they kind of made some... I don't think their safeties like to tackle. ...decisions about the way they wanted to approach stopping the Steelers that I'm not sure anyone else is going to do all year. Um, but one of them mm. was... Zero stack boxes against the run all game. And I do think that light boxes and Najee Harris 
are a wonderful combination for the Steelers. Well, I, I, I so I mean, I watched their game, Cincinnati's game. I went back and watched it against the Ravens prior to playing the Steelers. I don't know that their safeties enjoy <laughs> tackling. I, I like they're playing tackle football out there. I don't think their safeties like to tackle though. So maybe really they went into that meeting. Feel the impact of the salary cap related losses of guys like Jesse Bates in that defense. And Von Bell. Yeah. yeah. Von Bell too, going to Carolina, who was a, a big part of that as well. I, I like the addition of Nick Stott when it happened, bringing him over from the Rams. I, like Obviously, that too. I, I, yeah. but I think that it's, it's, it's still a work in progress. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anything else, Alan? No, I think that's it. I will try not to die tomorrow and uh, we'll do this again. <laughs> Hope that uh, T treats you well. Uh, tell the people where they can find you. A Saunders underscore PGH, PGH Steelers Now, SteelersNow.com. Like and subscribe to YouTube channel. Subscribe to Steelers Now Plus, 10% off promo code Allen10. Derek's got a story. Nick Fairbaugh's got a story coming up about a lot of the things that we talked about in this podcast in terms mm. of the differences in the Steelers running game. Love to see it. Love to hear it. Be on the lookout for that. Uh, I'm Zachary Smith, PGH. Like, subscribe, hit that notification bell here. Uh, leave us a comment down below and leave us a five-star review if you are listening somewhere else. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for taking another ride with us on the Steelers Afternoon Drive. <laughs>